You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, despite senior members of this podcast telling you that we don't want you around, you are back and you're committed to uh, record for the Locked on AFL podcast for the future. Yep, rest of this week, rest of the year. I just had my one little day off there yesterday. Got caught up with some work things that took me off the show, but I, I did listen. And I said to this, I said this to you before we started recording. But I was a little bit disappointed that you completely didn't blow your top when uh, when talking about free agency. Normally, I'm here to to break it up a little bit, but I thought you might just keep rolling and rolling and eventually just explode yesterday. But uh, you did a good job. Thank you. I I had to rein it in because we all know this AFL system is ludicrous. Surely, people in the AFL know that. Actually, maybe they don't because otherwise they'd fix it. The, the system's screwed, and we've got some interesting things that are. Uh, that are picking up at the moment. Of course, I was uh, alluding to the uh, Adam Trelaw scenario where, according to Sam Edmund, that a report, he's reporting, not a report, he was reporting that uh, Nathan Buckley and Adam Trelaw had a phone call. And in that phone call, Nathan Buckley said, look, mate, the senior players don't want you around, which is a, a, <laughs> a wild thing, A, to either say or B, to report or C, to make up or whatever it is. Nathan Buckley's coming out and saying that it's that part is made up, but he's obviously not denying that Trelaw is uh, going to be traded because it's like, oh no, we'll, we'll sensitively speak with Adam and his manager to work out the next step. So he's out of here. But that is that was a wild story to see come out, especially considering all of the reports about Trelaw seem to be that he's a good bloke and everyone loves him. Well, I don't, and you can question Sam Edmund, and clearly I don't have the source that he does, or someone from within the club that told him that this conversation went down, or perhaps it was came from Trelaw's camp. Clearly. There is now bad blood between the two, and Nathan Buckley can say whatever he wants on Twitter, but clearly, Trelaw wanted to stay there. They don't want him there. I thought it was a little bit strange that Buckley would go to Twitter to do this. It feels like it's gotten to the point where this has been news every single day. We kind of have to touch on it every single day because things keep happening, and we haven't heard anything from the Collingwood point of view at all. So as you sort of said, Buckley's certainly suggesting that they are having these conversations. So whether or not he wants to say that he wants to deny that this exact conversation went down. It's very clear that they are not getting along with each other right now and, and they're far apart on this. So I was a little bit shocked that Buckley had to take to Twitter. I thought maybe there would be some sort of, I don't know, press conference, press release, something uh, like that regarding this. The fact that it was uh, just one tweet from the coach, that even more strange. It just continues to get weirder and weirder. It's so strange to see that everything seems to be leaking out. Now, whether this stuff is true or made up, whatever, but it's one of those cases that even when it first appeared you know, a month ago, we said, hey, there's something weird here. Why are these journalists going so hard on this when Drillor's coming out and denying it? And it just is rolling and rolling and rolling. And now yeah, coaches tweeting things out at reporters. The whole scenario is uh, is really quite strange to, to, to get to this level and to get to this stage of you know allegedly players saying that they don't want him around. I don't know how this stuff is getting out, why it's getting out. Uh, well, I, I think it's coming from Trelaw's side, to be honest. But the whole uh, the whole situation with Collingwood is, 
is pretty weird at this point, and it, it feels like it's going to take an absolute miracle for him to be back at Collingwood next season. It just seems like it's been managed badly from the start from Collingwood. They should have just come out and said, this is the situation. This is why we're going to trade this guy that we just really heavily, heavily invested in, a guy that, uh, from all reports, everyone loves at the club. So I, I just think that they've let it go too far now. And I saw on social media yesterday a lot of people attacking Sam Edmund because of this Buckley tweet. But come on, even if you're a Collingwood fan, you have to be able to look at this and understand that something is not quite right. And regardless of whether you think that Sam Edmund shouldn't have said what he said yesterday, these reports and rumors, there's something not quite right. And this has been going on for a couple of weeks now. So I don't think it's fair as a Collingwood fan, even though you would be hoping that this isn't the truth. There's, there's something not quite right, and even you can you can see that. So I, I don't necessarily... I, I didn't look at this and say, well, Sam Edmund, geez, I wouldn't have gone with that. If, if that's what he's been told, clearly, from one of the camps, he's within his rights to, to roll with that. It's not up to him to look after the kind of footy club, who, by the way, right now, uh, seem to be in a pretty bad situation, and they're not exactly making themselves look like an attractive place for anyone to come and play. Well, even in that tweet that Sam Edmund, or that was put out on Trade Radio Twitter account from Sam Edmund, or, and what he said, he said... Yeah, this happened. He goes, it, it's staggering because yeah, this this guy is well liked amongst the yeah. playing group. So I, he goes, even he's like, this is what I was told, but w- yeah. something doesn't add up with this stuff. Like, what what is actually going on in, in this scenario? And then there was another tweet. I think it might have been Tom Morris saying that if Collingwood looks to trade him based on the fact that he won't play as well because he's partner and child are in another state <laughs> that it's you know contravening the Sexual Discrimination Act, which seems pretty wild to me. He's not getting fired. He is still you know, getting his contract, and he's still going to play. And Sex Discrimination Act, that, that was a wild tweet. I don't know how that would work. That was uh, just another stupid thing to add into stupid footy trade period talk that does go on. And, Kane, that, that's not the only stupid thing that's happening because Jeremy Cameron, Brad Crouch, we don't actually know what's going on with these guys. We know that Geelong made the offer, St. Kilda made the offer to Cameron and Crouch, respectively. GWS has matched. We're assuming Adelaide's matching as well. But now there's talk that maybe Geelong just won't engage in a trade if GWS is matching this deal. Like, Where are we at with these situations? Yeah, I think the first thing we need to look at here will be with Brad Crouch with Adelaide because they still are on the clock to match this deal. They haven't done it yet. No one's really sure whether they're going to do that now because for some reason they were under the impression that the compensation would have been pick two, which is absolutely ridiculous for a guy that, uh, let's be honest, should not be worth pick two in the draft. But anyway, I won't get you rolling on (laughs) that, Josh. But we'll see what Adelaide does with the Brad Crouch situation until they either match and force a trade or they just sit back and say, fine, we'll take the compensation that's going to be the first domino to fall here. But then as the trades start to roll uh, this week, later this week, then the Cameron conversations will be able to go down. So I think, I, and I know you spoke about it a little bit yesterday, I, I think that whether it was you know, on average per year, and we don't know how they structure these deals, is one of the difficult things to discuss when it comes to the AFL. But probably the Cameron deal is around 100,000 more than I think was reported thereabouts. Certainly 900 average a season is a hell of a lot of money. Uh, thereabouts it is for the five years potential sixth year uh, based on trigger so I do think that there was some part of the cats within the cats that probably thought well if we bump up this money deal a little bit more GWS aren't going to match it but it didn't actually change the compensation and again I I think that they would have ended up with a pick similar to the uh, Zach Williams one or even uh, worse than the Zach Williams one so for GWS doesn't really make sense they had to match I do think that this is probably just a, a tactic from Geelong saying listen 
you want to uh, put this contract in front of a guy that doesn't even want to play for your club. Cameron has threatened to sit out for a season if, if he was forced to play for GWS. Whether or not the Giants believe that, this one's going to get interesting as well. But this is what it's all about. The Cats, if they if they think that this is, is a, a high-level contract that potentially they didn't actually want to pay this much, totally fine. But you have to use this as a bargaining tactic here in the trade tables. And there's no, there's absolutely no reason for the Cats to just uh, roll over and give the Giants exactly what they want. And likewise, GWS the same. So this one could drag on a little bit. Yeah, it's, I feel like all these negotiations and things happen so much in the public that it's pretty wild. And that's why everything feels like it drags on. Whereas in a lot of other sports, these negotiations may take this amount of time. You just don't hear about every detail coming yeah. out in the media every five seconds. Are you going to match? Are you going to trade? Are you going to do this? Which players involved? It's like, okay, well, we're having this discussion. Then it comes out that it's done rather than where it feels like in the AFL, oh my God, why is everything drag out so long? Well, this is how long it takes. It's just that everything is played out in the media here for some reason. Um I'm trying to. I don't know exactly what the situation here is with Cameron because I've seen it reported different ways. That if Geelong decide, well, okay, you've matched the deal, and they don't want to trade for him, the options are that he goes back to play for GWS, or that he's traded to another team. I've seen it also mentioned that he could enter the preseason draft, which would make absolutely no sense considering that he's had a contract signed it and then it's been matched. I don't know how you go into the draft in that scenario. But that could uh, that could be a pretty weird scenario, and I think yeah, good on GWS for actually exercising part of their rights to match. Now we'll see where this all goes, and that could happen with Adelaide here in Crouch as they try and get St Kilda's pick sixteen versus pick twenty three, which looks like it could be their compensation yeah, to to try and get more out of that because that is your right uh, in a stupid system as a restricted free agent. So there is some weird stuff going on uh, there. Um, we'll see more of that as it unfolds during the week. Some other news items here. Uh, Paddy McCartan looking to uh, extend his career. Heard some talk about Carlton yesterday. Yeah, well, Paddy McCartan is obviously an interesting case because he is uh, he's still only, only in his early 20s. Is uh, I think he's just turned 24 now, Paddy McCartan, but he's only played 35 games. And we know the reason why he hasn't played is not because of his skill level, not because he hasn't been able to get a game for the Saints. He simply just keeps getting uh, head knocks. And, and he's had some pretty scary concussions over the years and some scary symptoms of uh, the concussions post those head knocks that he has had. So I, I think it's a surprise that he's even trying to come back and play football. I think St. Kilda clearly moved on from him and for, for his own uh, benefit as well. Remember, this is a guy that they obviously invested uh, pretty damn heavily in, uh, in the draft as high as you can. So this has been a disappointing pick for the Saints and it's been disappointing the way it's worked out. But I think from everything we've heard over the last two years, and McCartan hasn't played since around 16, 2018, so over two years ago. I think they've said that, listen, we, we don't think that it's safe for him to play. He hasn't been able to clear, uh, clear the concussion protocol. So I am a little bit surprised that he's trying to still play. Yeah, it is somewhat surprising, but yeah, I'm not expecting this to get over the line, but we'll see. Maybe he gives it one more go, and then if it happens again, then then he's out. I, you'd imagine he'd be on a pretty low-risk sort of contract if he did return. The other news yesterday is Ben Brown nominated um, that he needs that he wants to go to Melbourne. Again, another stupid part of this whole system is North Melbourne said, you're out of contract, we don't want you. But now we also get to get a benefit from that and get an asset back in, in terms of a trade, whether that's a you know, third-round pick, a second-round pick, whatever it is. He's out of contract. They don't want him, and they still can get something back. Nothing makes sense with that. But how do you like the Ben Brown fit in that forward line? Of course, it's going to mean the end of Tom McDonald. But how does Ben Brown go alongside Wiedemann and Jackson, do you think? Yeah, well, I like Ben Brown as an upgrade on Tom McDonald. We know McDonald had a pretty good year in 2018, basically playing 
as the second key forward next to Jesse Hogan. But he he struggled since then. Uh, McDonald's still really in the prime of his career, so there is some reports that he might end up at Collingwood. We know Collingwood's been chasing the key forward. I'm not 100% sure that McDonald's the guy you want to uh, try and trade for as a key forward for your team. But from the Melbourne point of view, significant upgrade. Ben yep. Brown, again, one of those candidates for mine that is uh, really primed for a bounce-back season after some difficult times this year on and off the field. Yeah, I think it is. It's, it's a big upgrade to me on Tom McDonald, despite how Brown can sometimes be frustrating to watch when he plays. And his form obviously was significantly down this year. Personal issues, along with the whole hub scenario, obviously had an impact and the team was terrible. That didn't that didn't help him there. But he gets another opportunity and I think that's a really strong pickup. You mentioned Jesse Hogan because he has agreed to be traded to GWS or Fremantle and GWS and Jesse Hogan have all agreed on that trade. So he could be heading up there. Um, or he not could, he could be. He will be heading up there. I'd imagine the price to acquire him is going to be pretty low. He you know, fits in alongside some of those young guys that they've got in that forward line. Whether Cameron's back or not, we don't know at this point. But do you like the the risk? I guess that GWS is taking on Jesse Hogan. Yeah, I don't think that it's a huge risk to be honest, because uh, this is a guy that that clearly his stock has has fallen right off. And Jesse Hogan, I think himself made some comments that he wishes things worked out differently at Fremantle. He went over there as a prize recruit. Remember, Melbourne really didn't want to let him go. He was coming off a monster season. So I think if Hogan can get anywhere near back to that level, clearly it's going to be a huge boost for GWS. The interesting thing will be, and I don't expect Jeremy Cameron to be at GWS next year. I think it will all play out. But no doubt this was looked at as, oh, this is actually a pretty good replacement. You lose Cameron, you get in Hogan on a really a low-risk deal. And but the reward could potentially be really high, so it'll be. I am going to be curious to see how this uh, this plays out for the Giants and whether or not uh, he can have a bit of a bounce back. Because remember, the Giants also lost uh, Patton uh, going back a couple of years ago as well. So they've had some some uh, some unlucky moments. Let's say that with their key forwards. Um, and they've got guys like yeah, Finlayson and uh, Himmelberg down there that they'd, I guess, be looking to play in that more taller role and allow Hogan to play the role that would uh, would suit him better, I think, with those two guys around it, or those three guys, at least distributing some of that attention if they're going to play them all together. And of course, you know, if the Cameron situation happens where he goes back to GWS, they haven't officially traded for Jesse Hogan. I guess they can just say, well, sorry, well, we don't have the, the cap space or the need for him anymore. Like, this is an agreement in principle. But so many things are agreements in principle until they're actually agreements in writing. And uh, we don't know exactly how that's going to go down. So maybe that doesn't happen. But it does look like that is the case at this point. Kane, what uh, we've seen so many teams mentioned a lot in this trade period. We. Collingwood news every day. Essendon, they're all over the shop. Is there a team that has surprised you that we just haven't really heard much about them? I think it's Hawthorne. And I know that they've they've lost a couple of players. So if you think about, you know, James Frawley uh, retiring, for instance, Ben Stratton as well, and Isaac Smith, we know, um, going to the Cats. So they've lost a, a, a bit of those uh, that experience, a bit of those older players, the veteran players. Now, Smith, though, will get... Um, surprising compensation back, uh, not to not to trigger you at all there. A little bit, you know, for a guy that's already 31 years old, about to turn 32, a little bit surprising they'll get the third round pick there. But Kane, I, heard, that, I heard someone complain that it wasn't enough. Triple premiership player, we should be getting more back. No, no. That's all, <laughs> that, that Hawthorne fan is kidding themselves. But I, I think uh, as much as they've lost some of those older guys, I did think that Hawthorne was going to be an interesting case to see whether they would go to the trade table with a player like... Uh, ben McAvoy, uh, we know we spoke a lot about Luke Bruce and Jack Gunston as well. So I think Hawthorne might be in a position where they have moved on some club legends in the past and perhaps they are a little bit wary of doing that. But I do think Hawthorne 
by holding on to these players and then at the same time trying to sprinkle in the young guys might be just holding back uh, their ability to, to really bounce back. The only other thing I, I thought of when I thought about Hawthorne and whether they could have traded some of those players with, with real value, you know, you think about Bruce and Gunston, two guys that would have serious, serious value. Uh, perhaps this year going to the draft, it's a little bit difficult to do so. I think I saw a stat uh, online somewhere last week, but said something like 65 to 70% of the players drafted on average each year come for Victoria. Perhaps teams are warned off a little bit from doing that this year, given the Victorian kids haven't been able to play footy at all. So maybe that's something, that reason why teams would be a little bit hesitant to go to the draft this year. But certainly Hawthorne for mine, I thought they could have fast-tracked the, the process a little bit, get some more of the, the young guys into the team. So I, I did think that we might see at least one of those veteran players uh, traded this offseason, which to this point uh, hasn't really been mentioned. The, yesterday, I spoke about how the Bulldogs had apparently inquired about Ben McAvoy, and that didn't seem to go anywhere. So you don't really know what they're doing in terms of holding on to guys like that. And even their name mm. cropped up in like they were going after Aiden Corr, who is not like he's an okay mm-hmm. option, but is that the player that you want when you're on that downswing? I'm, I'm not yeah. really sure what they were doing uh, with that one. We'll see how that all works out for them. I guess they get somewhat of the benefit of the doubt. In terms of teams that I'm a little bit surprised we haven't really seen anything from, I think Port is an interesting one. Obviously, they finished top of the ladder, didn't make it to a grand final, but we haven't really heard anything about them doing anything at all, really. Like, there's some talk about, you know, it was whispers about Peter Laddams yesterday. Maybe he's moved on uh, for teams looking for Ruckman. Um, Ollie Wines' name always gets brought up, but Port just not really, not really making that extra play at this point. Um, to maybe push them over the edge. Maybe they do it. We just haven't heard anything about them. Yeah, I think Port, uh, they're in a little bit of a different bracket to, say, a St. Kilda that we've seen looking to be really aggressive again in the trade period. We know they were able to make that jump on the back of some pretty uh, handy recruiting last season. So I wonder whether Port uh, are really happy with the young guys they have in the team. Uh, Fantasia, obviously... Uh, a guy that yeah, maybe maybe will get into the side. We'll wait and see what happens there. But certainly, is he even uh, in their the, best twenty-two though? If he's healthy, I'm not. Well, if he's healthy, but potentially. But it, it's hard to say. I mean, Port Adelaide, as we know, do have a bunch of young guys coming through. Certainly, the midfield is aging a little bit. But uh, Ollie Wines is a guy that they really couldn't afford to lose, actually, because he's in the age bracket that they need to keep him around uh, when Boak and Rockliffe and these guys uh, continue to age. We know Ebert obviously is moving out of that side next year. So Port. Have been they've been around the fringes. They certainly looked at Alira Alira. I think they're probably aware they would like another key position player next year. But to me, it probably is just the sign of a team that's pretty comfortable with where they're at, and and they really did make that leap. So, out the, other than St Kilda, who's trying to now move up into the top four, Port Adelaide, as we know, top of the ladder all season long. They probably have reason to believe that they will get the internal development and, and growth that they need. Yeah, that's what they're going to be looking at is for those younger guys like your Power Peppers, even Wines to a degree, but more like your Rosies and your Butters and your Dersmers, those sort of guys, to uh, to step it up somewhat. Um, and they've got some guys on the older end of things. We know Boke's been around forever. They're losing Ebert. Mm. So there is some room for guys to step up. But, um, you know, I think they'd be happy with the way that they develop Laddams this year. They've got some other currency. I just thought I'd hear a little bit more out of them. You know, Brisbane made a move, obviously, to get Danaher. Um, Geelong's making moves. Richmond's losing players, which is what you expect considering how strong they've been. You just haven't heard really much outside of the Fantasia thing, which we've been hearing, it feels like, for 10 years. Um, there hasn't really been any mention of these guys apart from, well, maybe, maybe someone could go after one of their Ruckman, but nothing ever seems to come of that at this point. What else we want to talk about here? Um, 
let's look at you know, free agents in terms of how good we think they are. So, Kane, your top three free agents. And you've got an interesting name in this list, which I think is something that is wild that never really been brought up. Yeah, so I, I've gone with my top three. And and I will say the reason I, I thought about this or I brought this up because I know we have spoke about compensation a lot uh, and the fact that it's been based on where the team is finishing on the ladder. I think if you were going to keep this in, I think the only way, and I don't really know how you do this, but I think that there should probably be some sort of ranking system or, or that you, you put in the free agency and so you're actually not... Um, yeah, for instance, the Brad Crouch situation where Adelaide said, we expect pick two. Well, it's like, okay, well, we're talking about Brad Crouch here. We're not talking about, uh, you know, Paddy Cripps or whoever, maybe Dustin Martin, where if you lost him, then you're like, yes, this is a top three pick guaranteed. We're not talking about that player. We're talking about Brad Crouch. So I, I then started to think to myself, what happens if they did like a rating system or a ranking system for the free agents? That's going to be problematic in its own right because I don't know how you work that out. Perhaps a tiered system is better here and then you say well if, if you have a, a top three free agent from this class then you get the pick between this range i don't know whatever it is but that's where, why i had this idea in my head so my top three free agents this year and this is from the full list prior to any contracts being signed jeremy cameron i had number one uh, i think you know talking about a common medalist down here again uh, this year no doubt still in the prime of his career uh, i think he is as far as key forwards go and how difficult it is to get key forwards i think he's head and shoulders above the other guys that we mentioned, obviously Ben Brown, Danaher for health reasons. So Cameron, I had number one. Number two, I had Andrew Gaff, who has signed an extension with the West Coast Eagles through to the end of 2024. Uh, this guy routinely finishes in the top five of the West Coast best and fairest. Uh, not a premiership player because he did miss out on that grand final we know back in uh, 2018, but a super player. I reckon if he was in Victoria... He would be a player that would be an even bigger name around the league. But Andrew Gaffer had number two. And then I did put Crouch there. This was a difficult one. There was a bunch of players I could have put uh, number three in this class. But uh, Brad Crouch is the one that slips in there. And maybe for me that that might be a little bit of uh, recency bias because he's in the news every single day. That Your idea of compensation based on how good a player is is a disaster. It's more of a disaster, I think, than what the system is now because there is so much... Um, conjecture about that because how do you how do you rate it like you got to have a new well you do it on you do it like uh you do it like the supermax for instance in the nba where it's like i where are you how are you tiered as a player if you want to get the supermax in the nba you have to have a, an all nba selection or an all defensive player of the year so you do it that way so yeah, but if that, you've got that's a, only two tiers that's like supermax or not like that that's all sure but that's how you would tier them that's how you could tier the players you could find a way to do it rather than just saying well, this guy's going to leave in this club. He finished bottom of the ladder, so we're going to give him pick one. But this player is actually, everyone understands he's a far better player than this guy, but he gets pick 17 because the team he's, going, uh, team he's leaving played well last year. I mean, that that <laughs> I don't need to tell you that it doesn't make sense, but I, I just think that when you have obviously better players getting this, uh, this, this compensation compared to others, I mean, you can scrap it all together, and I know that's the easy option, but I don't think that they're going to do that. So I think at least if you, you use some common sense with the quality of the player, you can you could figure it out. Yeah, okay. Anyone who's made an All Australian team or won a Brownlow or um, coaches MVP or players MVP, you can get a pick at the end of the third round. Otherwise, you don't get any pick. There you go. That's uh, compensation. <laughs> compensation solved, and it doesn't get in. Uh, it doesn't piss me off. So that's uh, probably the massive win there. Now the Gaff one's interesting to me because you put him there as a free agent. People are like, what are you talking about? Look, why he's not a free agent? He was out of contract. And yeah. he, he, was an, he could have been an unrestricted free agent if he didn't have this 
extension slash it was like a player option basically at the end of his contract where he had mm. sort of the decision to trigger that four-year extension it was never even mentioned that he was a potential to move or anything like that so getting him to accept that four-year trigger is massive it's going to end his career in west coast but just a name that wasn't even talked about for any risk of moving nobody creating any offers there extension and I'm good to go but that's pretty wild to me that it wasn't even really reported on or mentioned or anything until it's like oh no he's signed that extension that actually um yeah he was out of contract at the end of this year it's not something that was ever brought up yeah Andrew Gaff if you go back a couple of years ago uh, another one of those players that was almost going to North Melbourne uh, there's been a the whole <laughs> bunch of them over the course of the last few years but uh, around that time where the Eagles did win the grand final he was suspended there was some thought that he might be leaving so uh, for this time around, that to not even come up uh, is somewhat a, a little bit of a surprise, but fantastic player, and uh, West Coast locked him up, as you would have expected they would have tried to. And and even though we talk, talk about West Coast list aging, obviously they've also picked up Tim Kelly last year. So West Coast, uh, pretty fine in the midfield, I would say, for the next few years. Yeah, uh, almost North Melbourne would be a top four team, I reckon. Uh, yeah, if you got yeah. all their all their almost players and uh, and stuck them into a, a team that they they do uh, they do okay. Now, if you want to get to my top three free agents, it's hard to go past Cameron. They're at number one. Um, here, look, if you if we're counting Gaff as a free agent, which we absolutely should, then it's hard to go past him at number two. Number three is where it gets a little bit difficult for me. I think I'll probably have Zach Williams ahead of Brad Crouch, mainly because I sort of know what Crouch is. He gets a lot of the ball. How much that impacts winning, I'm not sure. Williams, I think, has got a lot more upside there. Yes, you're they're paying him a lot more, um, which is could be troubling for Carlton down the line. But I think if we look back at this in two years' time, who's had a bigger impact, I would probably say Zach Williams over Brad Crouch on their new teams. So that's why I would uh, I would put him at number three. Basha Hawley, another guy we haven't really spoken about. I know he's old. I know he's older, and he's only got a couple of years left. But um, clearly, still this season, a little bit interrupted, but still being a, a big game player, a big time player for the Tigers. He was another guy uh, I kind of had in, in in the mix there, and probably really just his age was, was what slipped him down. But I haven't heard a lot from him as well. We know Essendon were looking at and making a bit of an approach at getting him back. But I, I don't think anyone expects that he'll be doing anything other than playing for Richmond next year. Travis Boak also apparently still uh, an, an not not signed up for next season, which I don't think there's any danger of him moving, but he's uh, an unrestricted free agent too. And the Hooli one, yeah, this one was brought up, but I think he shot that down and said, no, nah, look, I'm good. I'll be back with Richmond next season. So just another name that hasn't been signed up. We know Nathan Jones signed uh, another one-year deal with Melbourne, so he's, uh, he's coming back there. Just looking to see if there's any other... Free agents on this list who are who are worth mentioning. Jared Harbrow uh, for Gold Coast. He's at ten years of service. Been there since they started. He's an unrestricted free agent. So I don't know. He's a, I, I imagine he'd be back, but he's somewhat of an interesting name there as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be moving if I was Harbrow. He's been no. through some pretty rough times on the Gold Coast. Uh, no. This would not be the time to be leaving. Another name that I've just seen on this list. I haven't seen anything about him re-signing recently. Ryan Lester uh, for Brisbane, unrestricted free agent. Chance he could get squeezed with Danaher coming in? Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, he's a guy that broke back into the team this year after really being outside, on the outside, looking in for a, for a period of time. But he's been at Brisbane for a long, long time. I, I think he'll stay. I think they liked him because he's pretty versatile. He can play back. He can play forward. He played a number of roles uh, for them this year. So I, I think Lester will probably stay. And they'd probably want to keep him. And I also just don't think 
uh, he would demand too much for them to uh, to re-sign him. No, I think he'd be pretty comfortable there um, where he is and the role that he's playing on this team and you know, how good the team is and how much better they could potentially be next season as well. So just another name bringing up who, or to be brought up who hasn't signed yet. But uh, it looks like one of your, speaking of Brisbane, one of your guys, uh, Alex Witherden, the Eagles could be getting involved in a, in a deal for uh, for Witherden as a trade, as a guy that was on the fringes pretty much all season up there in Brisbane. And, and that's something that we'll see develop over the next couple of days. But we're, we're not speculating too much here because we've got the rest of the week to talk about as these moves go down and the trade period actually officially opens after free agency. I think it's tomorrow that uh, trade period opens. Kane, Thank you for coming back to the show. I missed you terribly yesterday. I <laughs> uh, just needed a long weekend, but I'm back. I'm ready to go. And uh, hey, it's Melbourne Cup Day today, guys. So good luck if you are uh, <laughs> indulging in the horse racing. Um, today, Kane, um, I'm going to tell everybody to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. And I'm going to leave everybody on this Melbourne Cup Day with a shout out to Phil Reed. <laughs>